The WojPod is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the WojPod. Here with Hall of Fame guard Steve Nash, now the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. A great visit with Nash about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the challenge in front of him with this contending Brooklyn team as he takes over as a first-time head coach. Let's get right to it. Steve Nash, the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Steve, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Woj. There's a lot to talk about with your new role and taking over the Nets and and making this jump into coaching full-time. But the Lakers are in the finals, obviously, Steve. Lakers heat starts Wednesday night, game one. And I guess it's pretty remarkable to think the last Laker team that made the playoffs was your first year mm-hmm. in L.A., 2012-2013. I've always wondered this. You had been on a lot of Sports Illustrated covers. You were already a multi-time MVP when you went to the Lakers. What do you remember about you posed with Dwight Howard for that SI cover? And it comes out and it says, now this is going to be fun. And you've got this. You know, you and Dwight are on the cover and you kind of got these posed smiles. Knowing what you knew about where your body was physically and how that mix all might be in L.A. And the pressure that was you're just under when you go play for the Lakers. (laughs) What do you remember about getting that cover, looking at it and going, how do I feel about that? Uh, You know, I'm not I'm not. I don't love necessarily like it's not my goal to be on the cover of SI. You know, I'm I'm not a spotlight guy by nature. So that, you know, if anything, I kind of it's it was part of the part of the gig and and you you accept it. But it wasn't something that I was like, you know, stoked about so to speak. But uh, I was excited. I mean, you know, I think to put myself back there. I mean, the other thing about that cover is they must have photoshopped my biceps. I think they probably thought next to Dwight, they had to like do something. So I didn't look like, you know, I don't know, a librarian or something. But, uh, you know, my, I, I appreciate the bicep uh, Photoshop from SI. But I think, you know, that summer I, I, I worked as hard as I possibly could to put myself in a position to help that team and, and have an incredible experience and, and try to win a championship. Um, you know, at 38 the season before, you know, I, you know, February before I signed with the Lakers, I, I played in the All-Star game. So I had high hopes and still felt like I had a lot to offer. And um, so at that moment, I was just like really trying to to find my my uh, my niche with that team and franchise and, and fit in and gel and, and make that as positive experience as possible for everyone to come together. So at in that moment, you know, I was really just concerned with uh, building that team and being a part of it and trying to win a championship. You know, obviously, you know, for me, the, the pivotal moment was uh, breaking my tip-fib joint, my first or second game. It was my second game with the Lakers, and uh, and I've never, my body's never been the same since then. Um, so it was it was disappointing, obviously, but uh, I had incredibly high hopes and was was excited to be there for that great opportunity. When Mike D'Antoni took over at that time, and people always want to try to recreate something, and this was not Phoenix, and this wasn't the team you had, and physically you weren't the same. And Mike, you know, with Kobe and with Dwight, 
how are you going to play? What was that like for you and Mike and your relationship and you two trying to navigate the pressure and expectations that come with being with the Lakers and um, going through that with him after all you had shared in Phoenix? Well, it was great to be around him. I mean, he's a you know world-class human being. Uh, great basketball mind, great coach, had a, a, incredible memories together. So I was thrilled, you know, to, to get to spend more time with him and play with him. I mean, the reality is, though, he came in while I was injured and and I was never quite the same. So, you know, I, I wasn't saying I was, you know, 2000, you know, 2000s uh, version of myself, but I, I still thought, like I said, playing in the All-Star game that year that I could – you know, have a great impact on the team. And, and I just never could recover from that injury. You know, I, I, I've never worked harder. I spent, I've worked out twice a day for two years, more, maybe two and a half, three years. And I just couldn't get over the hump. And so, I ne- you know, in a sense, it was disappointing. Personally, it was disappointing for, for my relationship with Mike to be able to provide more for him and for the Lakers, you know, the organization. And when I look back at that time, it was huge disappointment but it was also a great experience creating relationships with a lot of people in that organization so um you know i it, it's it's just one of those things you and i remember when i was deciding what to do and i talked to steve kerr when i was before i signed as a free agent with the lakers and you know we were discussing you know what what an opportunity is to play at staples center and the excitement that it generates and and you know my thing to steve was that you know i want to be in the fire like i, I want to I want this is the the last stage of my career. I wanted the pressure. I want, you know, kind of an all or nothing mindset. And so I got nothing. And uh, and that's what I wanted, though. And I accept that. And it was difficult. I like I said, I put everything I possibly had into trying to succeed and it just wasn't to be. But, um, you know, that's what I signed up for. That's what I wanted. That was the risk I took. And uh, and I don't regret a minute of it. Steve, did, did the way. How hard you had to work and what you physically and I think emotionally have to endure when you're trying to continue playing. And I, I, I think you, you've talked to J.J. Redick about this, and I think you gave J.J. this advice. I remember him telling me this, and then he shared it on his podcast with you about, listen, when it's over, it's over, and there's no going back. And you have got to be ready to exhaust everything mm. before you walk away. How did how it finished for you in LA physically diminished impact how you felt about the game in retirement or how soon you wanted to maybe come back full time? Where were you when you walked away from the Lakers mentally about the game and and, and where you fit into it anymore? You know, I think it was it was uh, it, it ended up being a, a gift to go through that because it allowed me to realize how difficult retirement will be you know somebody who who was obsessed with the game obsessed with getting better preparing performing recovering doing it again you know that that was my life that was my identity and that was my my you know pursuit every day so to think you still have it when you don't and to go through that process is very very difficult i think it was though a gift in that it made me really look deeper into what's happening here to me and and all athletes go through that i've said it many times there's an old adage the athlete dies twice and i and i think especially if you're somebody that's super obsessed with the game and and trying to maximize everything you have to offer 
year after year after year, 18 years in the league, four years in college, playing in, you know, from the, since the eighth grade when I started playing, having that obsessive kind of gene of, of, of wanting to be the best you, you know, it is a death. You know, it is. And, and you have to almost treat it like that and go through that process and grieve. And so that two years with the Lakers where I was the last to know, the last to see, I thought I could still do it and fought so hard to try to overcome the nerve issues and and be able to recover and perform. And um, so to go through that difficult process really put it out there clearly for me. One, I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, I've, I've given everything I can to try to overcome this and it's not happening. So that allowed me to be like, this is it. It's, it's done. Instead of like having questions or lingering doubts, you know, I realized, no, I'm done. And when it's time and it took, I was the last to know and I was the last to realize it, but I finally got there. And that led me into the next couple of years with the mindset that this is going to be difficult. I have to be really open and listen to myself and emotionally where I am with this, because I put everything I possibly had into something for decades. And so um, I, I sat with it, you know, so to speak. I, I tried to say no to as many things as possible. I tried to give myself the space and time to kind of decompress from a career. Um, and so I got away from the game in many respects. I, I still helped guys. If guys called me and said, can you work with me in the summer? I, I would always, you know, offer my help. I, I worked with the Canadian national team. I, you know, eventually got back in with the Warriors. But I also gave myself that space and time that I needed to kind of get over me, the player and that identity. Uh, and I'd say I got a long ways in six months, but it probably took me two years before I was fully came out the other side as a, as a, as somebody and, and did it so well that when like clips of me would come on my social media feed, I almost didn't recognize that person. You know, I was like, I almost didn't remember doing the things that you did as a player and, and didn't identify with that anymore. And, uh, and so I think I think I got through it in a pretty healthful way, and 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 here I am back uh, in the game, and, and fortunate for that period as well. You can now stream the most MLB games on Directv without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. What's interesting, I think, Steve, your career is maybe as unusual as any player who's won multiple MVPs, who's a Hall of Famer. Listen, there's other guys who weren't necessarily drafted high. You were drafted 15th, and so was Kawhi Leonard, and so was Giannis. But they became stars in the NBA relatively quickly. Mm. It took you through – I don't know if there's ever been a player who was maybe better in his 30s than he was in his 20s. That's mm. really – Unique, and I wonder if it if it if it feels like it gives you a perspective on coaching. You weren't you, you didn't grow up. You, you can't be a McDonald's All American if you grew up in Canada, but you weren't highly recruited. You were drafted in the first round. You know the Suns gave up on you before they brought you back, and Dallas had to make a decision. And you had been told we think we essentially you've been told we can get somebody better, and then 
you become an era-defining player, an MVP. You re- redefine a position, and then you fight through at the end the injuries and what it's like to physically uh, be challenged. I would just imagine as a head coach, you've experienced so many elements of the game that might help you to connect with lots of different guys, not just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but guys a lot further down your bench. That, that That's a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Woj, I think, I think I have a, a high basketball acumen, but there's no question that I'm in this position as much for the experiences I've had, um, the teams I've been a part of building, um, you know, the, the being able to relate to players. I think, you know, those are really my strong suits coming into this job as much as anything. You know, if, if they if they wanted a tactician, a pure tactician, you know, go, you go to someone who's drawn up a million plays. You, if they wanted someone who's who's, you know, been there, done that, they it, that's not me as far as uh, a, a sitting in that seat. So, those, you know, I, I got a lot of root place to catch up. Uh, you know, I got a lot of. Uh, luckily, I have some time here to, to get up to speed on many things. But I'm never going to close the gap of 10, 20 years of head coaching experience you know, in the next four years. But what I can do is offer the strengths and qualities and characteristics that I built my career on. And part of that is being able to relate to players from all different backgrounds, all different levels. You know, I started as a first round pick and then had some really bad struggles at times and then ended up being towards the top of the game. So I think that I offer a perspective and a a relatability to a lot of different players from, from all over the world. And I think that helps you know, my ability to connect and to lead. Um, and, and frankly, I think that's a, a big part of why I, I was afforded this position. One of the things Sean Marks said about you when he hired you was that you you were the best or among the very best team builders he had ever been around as a player. When you think of what that meant as a player, to be a team builder as a teammate, as a point guard, and I think he's talking on and off the court, what what did that? What does that mean to you when he says that? What what's he what's he referring to as you look back at how you uh, approach this part of it as a player? Well, it's it's flattering um, because that was always important to me. Clearly, I spent the time, but it also was my personality. You know, like that that was a part of the package for me. You know, I wasn't going to lead the the league in scoring. Um, you know, in, 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 in fact, I was a reluctant shooter for most of my career. But a part of my package beyond like assists and field goal percentage was the leadership and connectivity of the teams. I think the teams I played on had a great vibe. They, had a, they enjoyed each other. The atmosphere was great. Um, and that was partly natural. Um, that's just my personality. And that's what I thought was important. But it, it also was by design in that like who, who wants to, you know, for me, my personality, like I want to enjoy this. You know, I want to be a part of a team that loves playing together, loves practicing together, traveling together, going to dinner, you know, connecting in ways that make it a more enjoyable experience for everyone. I think that shows on the court. It's not necessary. I don't know. Like I think there's teams that maybe don't like each other as much as others, but it certainly helps when people care and like each other, know each other a little deeper spend the time trying to get to know each other trying to connect i think that stuff goes a long way um so part of that was just my personality and part of that was that's the experience i wanted to have and i wanted us to enjoy it together and and build those relationships and looking back on my career like that is 
as important as anything is the relationships, the the people you got to share the court with, work with, build with, win and lose with. You know that is is at the top of the list as far as what I remember and what I experience and value. In the conversations that you've been having already with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, how much are you messaging those guys on? Ultimately, that is their responsibility to help create in Brooklyn. I think you know as a coach, having been a player in the league, that it, it typically comes from the inside out, right? It's it's the players dictate the culture and the environment in a lot of ways. Is that a conversation you guys have started? For sure. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I would even take it further. You know, I think that first-year contenders often struggle. You know, they don't have that common experience. They don't, you know, they're not, like I say, you know, in the – second round conference finals finals you know being down 2-1 on the road the, the, they go on a 12-0 run and the crowd goes crazy you know first year teams perhaps don't necessarily handle that as well because of the lack of common experience so i think it's important for us to be aware of that um to go into it understanding that and knowing we can't control that but what can we control and our connectivity is a big part of what we can control so um, trying to put that in our DNA or at least in our foundations here to bring this group together to not force it or be corny, but to find real value in each other. And, and that connectivity, I think, is important. In your time with Golden State as you know, a consultant, working with players, being around the coaching staff, you know, Steve Kerr, of course, Bob Myers in the front office, how did your relationship with KD evolve? I know you had a relationship prior to it, but how did it grow there? And how would you two interact there? How much of it was on the court and how much of it was spending time away from the floor and talking through stuff there? Yeah, I definitely developed our relationship, continue to develop because we had that obviously working relationship now. But it's funny, it, it, our, our relationship, other than playing against each other, we, we got to know each other through Adam Harrington, who's one of our assistant coaches here. Uh, who was Kevin's uh, kind of personal coach trainer for a period of his career. Uh, Adam and I played together in Dallas 17 years ago, have, have remained close friends. He asked if I would meet with Kevin and, and, and work out, you know, just be a, a mentor or share experiences with him. Um, you know, so we started working out together at the end of my career. Then I started helping him when I was retired, whenever uh, the opportunity arose. And then when the chance for him to come to Golden State and I was on the staff, you know, it was, it was, you know, obviously exciting for all of us to, to be able to bring him, you know, a player of his caliber uh, to the Warriors. So we worked together mostly on the court when I was up there um, because we had that language and, and connection from before. You know, I think we're friends, but I always tried to give Kevin a lot of space. You know, I, I've been in his shoes in a sense with so many people trying to tug on you. And, and so I always tried to err on the side of giving him his space, but we're on the court. Like I can be completely honest with Kevin, you know, I could tell him the truth. I could tell him, you know, I could ask him, why, why'd you do it that way? Um, I could, con we could contradict, we could disagree because we had that respect for the game and wanting to be the best players we could be individually. And, and his belief that I, you know, I just was there to help. So we have such a strong basketball relationship, um, you know, and, and a friendship, but it was centered around basketball. I'm here to support the person and help him grow as a basketball player. And, and so to be able to work with him in this way is exciting because I believe in him, obviously, as, as a basketball player, his gifts are, are historic. 
Um, but as a person too, I think, it, you know, I believe in him greatly as a human being um, and that he cares about the, the, the world. And I think that's important to me. So to be able to connect with him in this role, in this capacity is, is extremely exciting. And obviously I'm very fortunate. Steve, what's been your sense from Kyrie about what he wants from a coach and how he wants to be coached? And, you know, listen, there are very few people on the planet who can look Kyrie Irving in the eye and command the respect that, that you're going to with him because of the high level you played his position. What, what What's that conversation been like so far with you two? It's, I mean, it's been fun just getting to know Kai a little better. You know, we've, we've, we obviously played together. We have a mutual respect playing the same position and having success. Um, I worked with him after I retired a couple of days in New York city, probably five, six years ago. Um, we, we, you know, we've always gone along great, but we've never spent a ton of time together. So this has been fun getting to know him. Um, you know, he, he's a brilliant basketball player and he, he's gifted beyond belief and, and loves the sport and has so much to express uh, on the court. I'm, I'm enjoying getting to know him off the court. You know, I wouldn't even say like our conversations have been super formal yet. It's just been trying to get to know him and understand and learn from him. This is a guy that he's a champion an all-star he's, you know, accomplished so much on the floor, but he also like donated, you know, a million and a half dollars to WNBA players um, dealing with COVID issues. He's, you know, helped uh, the Sioux Nation, you know, his mother's heritage. He's helped people with COVID-related issues or Meals on Wheels through this thing. So there's a guy that has a deep connection and meaning to life and to get to know him and understand him in a more meaningful way is super exciting for me. And that's where I start. You know, the basketball stuff with Kyrie is, I mean, you know, that there's, it, it's, there's not a ton that I'm going to teach Kyrie, but there's a way that I can hopefully elevate and give him uh, a position to be his best, uh, to be challenged, but at the same time be rewarded for what he contributes to our team in the game. Steve, is your sense that there's a greater premium put on coaches now in this era than, than say, you know, maybe in the prime of your career, the middle, certainly the early middle to maybe even the end, that there's just a greater premium put on the relationships that as a head coach, you have to develop um, with your players, with your stars. I don't know that it, that was as pronounced mm. of a part of the job, maybe when you got into the league and you think back to the guys you played for and, and just what was expected from a coach. I, I, I think so. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think when I came in the league, it, there was more of an ability to be authoritarian. You know, there was that's the history and the culture of playing in college. Coaches were largely authoritarian. You know, playing in the league, coaches still had that kind of ability to, you know, to, to, to be that. You know, having said that, you know, the secret sauce in some of these great coaches, Greg Popovich, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, Steve Kerr is – that they recognize the value of connecting with their players. You know, um, you know, Steve's talked about it with me a lot that the majority of the job is, is connecting and relationships and um, that side of it. I've heard pop say that, you know? Um, so for sure. I mean, these guys are, are uh, these are, these are gifted coaches who have an incredible way with people. Uh, they also are, are terrific X's and O's. So they have it all in respect, but those, those, you know, you read Phil Jackson's books, you, you know, you, you listen to Greg Popovich long enough, you listen to Steve Kerr, 
Doc Rivers, you know, the connectivity with their players is a, is a huge mandate and a huge priority. So I think people realize that, that it's, you know, you can be as, as your system and methodology and, and your teaching and coaching and, you know, in-game analysis and, and adjustments it, it is not going to get you very far if you can't connect with your group. Steve, how instructive was the time you spent around Steve Kerr in Golden State when you were watching him come in without coaching experience, see what, where he maybe felt he had to compliment himself or what challenges were as you watched him navigate that process and talked with him about it? Does it feel like it's something that is transferable for you in this experience? I definitely learned a lot. I mean, you know, I learned from Steve, the human being, you know, he's a great human being. And I think that's so important not to lose sight of, you know, we get so caught up in performance that everything's about, you know, your skill as a coach, player, whatever it is. We cannot forget how important it is to be a a human being of great character, compassion, empathy. So I learned from Steve every day, just watching the way he puts the group first. He, you know, is, is, you know, is an incredibly underrated competitor. Um, you know, who knows how many rings he's had now as a player and a coach, but, you know, he, he, he looks like a kind of a soft-spoken, nice guy. He is a fiery, fiery competitor, but at the same time never loses the qualities and characteristics that, that make him who he is. So I, I learned just from being around him. You know, he's been there, been a sounding board for me for many, many years, going back to when he was the GM in Phoenix. Um, so our relationship has been really important to me over the years, and I've, I've, I've gotten a lot more out of it probably than he has. It's funny. I remember when Steve, as the GM in Phoenix, talking to him at times about – I could always sense that he was being pulled toward coaching, that at some point he felt he was going to coach. You had options to go into management. You had options to be a GM, and you had a taste of it with a Canadian national team. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's not the same, but it gives you a sense of putting a team together, and there's certainly elements of it. Was that – for you ever at a point deciding between management, coaching, and what pulled you toward the yeah. coaching part of it? You know, I considered it all, you know, working in a front office, being a GM, being in an ownership group. Uh, coaching is something that I've started to gain momentum on the last year, year and a half. And, you know, I think that you, I can't, you know, let's preface it all by saying this is an incredible opportunity and great, unique environment, incredible ownership. Sean Marks and I have been friends for 20 years, great relationship. He He's laid the foundation here with their structure that is outstanding. Um, it's not a development situation. This is a, a win now situation, which was exciting, similar to my Lakers, you know, decision that I, I want to be in the fire. I want to risk it all. And, and you know, it's a unique opportunity for sure. That was a part of it, but I have gained momentum getting my head around coaching and and how I, I would approach it. I think, you know, for me, simply one of the things that I, I enjoy, um, you know, I, I enjoy teaching, I enjoy leading, I enjoy collaborating and being a teammate, and I love competing. So, it, you know, you can pull those characteristics out of a lot of professions or opportunities, but I don't know if you can outside of playing any more than coaching. So I think those are characteristics that I, I, I believe in myself in those areas. I also enjoy passionate and love being in that environment and, and, and providing those qualities. So it's something that I gained momentum in my mind. And I realized was something that I, I, I was gravitating towards. And this opportunity is just 
you know, incredible. So, you know, here I am thrilled, enjoying the first month and, um, and looking forward to continuing to grow and develop as a person and a, and a coach and, and hopefully having a great impact and bringing these guys together. Steve, what is it like to once again wake up in the morning where you have a team and there's maybe there's not great structure yet to the job because of COVID, <laughs> COVID and the off season for your team and all those things. But to wake up with sort of that feeling in your stomach of I'm responsible for something bigger than myself. And what am I going to get accomplished today on putting my staff together and, and starting to formulate how we're going to go about it? What is it like to have that back in your life? It's, it's exciting. It's great. I mean, that's, I feel at home uh, in some respects. And at the same time, I do feel like a rookie in some respects, trying to figure it out. I'm lucky in a sense that we have this, you know, indefinite kind of period here. Um, you know, it would have been a lot more difficult to take this job in a typical September and get up to speed in three, four weeks um, and get prepared. You know, I have this window to get prepared, to build relationships, to to connect and, and integrate all our departments here and, and try to figure out our best way forward. So doing this has been really fun and exciting and, and uh, refreshing. Uh, having this period of time to kind of prepare in a, in a meaningful way is, is fortunate. And uh, it just, yeah, it feels great to, to be back in the fire, so to speak, and, and go to bed worrying about it or thinking about it, waking up, you know, uh, you know ready to attack it. Uh, that's a feeling that I haven't necessarily had since I retired, and, and that's fun to be back in, in that position. When the job opened up, Steve, and you made that call to Sean Marks, what was that first conversation like? I know you two have talked about this idea, I think, through the years. How definitive were you when you called them and said, was it, I think I want to do this, or, hey, I'm ready to do this? Yeah. Uh, it was. By the time I actually reached out, I was ready, and there was no doubt. It wasn't uh, feeling him out. It was a throw your name in the hat, and, 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 and whatever happens, happens. But I'm all in, and I'm a candidate, and I'm here, and I want it, and 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 here we are but uh yeah i think i wouldn't have you know i don't know that i sean would have taken a uh you know this this path with me if i was you know unsure uh too much the stakes are too high so i think it was reassuring to him that i was in a, that i'd gotten myself to a place where i was convinced and excited and and wanted it and you know i, th I think otherwise sean would have gone in another direction what, what has it been like, uh, you obviously played with Sean in Phoenix, to watch how he's built this organization from where he started to where it is now, um, and, and how much you guys were still talking through those years, and as you're you know, seeing how, I mean, I would say rapidly, it has been fairly rapid given where the organization was when he started. Um, what's it been like to watch him do this? Well, I got to say, Woj, it's kind of annoying. I went from leading him to now he's my boss. So that, that's, that's, that's not, uh, you know, something that I, you know, I've sits so well with me, but, uh, no, I, I, I mean, I, I've had a great relationship with him for so long, love playing with him, competing against him, you know, Canada and New Zealand way back, um, you know, through through the years of him transitioning and 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 really watching from afar, you know, we'd have conversations every summer and stay in touch, but and get together from time to time. But 
watching largely from afar how he's built this thing methodically and soundly, um, how each department has grown and is mature. Um, you know, his methodology and, and approach have been fantastic. I think you've seen you've seen this project kind of mature in many ways. Um, on the court for sure in some ways, but more, more impressively considering, you know, the hole he had to dig out of with the roster and salaries, um, the way he was, he was simultaneously able to get out of that position and also build uh, such a strong foundation here. So that's a, that's a huge part of the attractiveness of this opportunity. Uh, and he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I think it's been uh, it's been a, you know, pretty, pretty outstanding kind of, uh, rebirth for this franchise, not just moving to Brooklyn, but the way Sean's rebuilt it in, in, in his image, so to speak. Last thing, Steve, when you start to put a coaching staff together and, you know, you, some of those pieces are in place, Jacques Vaughn, who remains um, as, as your top assistant now, what is it you want out of a staff? What are you looking for in, in the guys that you want to compliment you, you know, especially early on um, in your head coaching mm-hmm. uh, career? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the first thing you have to think about is high character people. You know, you, you want to have a great culture and you want to have connectivity. Like I keep talking about, you got to have high character people, you know, people that care about one another are willing to work together. Um, you know, we all have egos, but are willing to control or, or put their egos aside at pivotal moments for the betterment and to protect the group. So that's first and foremost. And then obviously as a rookie coach, having as much experience, having, as much collaboration, like this is not, I'm not in a position and nor do I want to be in a position where I come in and say, this is how we're doing everything. You know, I come in, you know, hat in hand in many respects saying, how have you done in the past? What do you think works? This is where I'm starting from. Tell me why I shouldn't do this. Um, so I think having a very collaborative, confident, you know, talented, and hopefully we round out the staff with a ton of experience. But, um, you know, I start with character and and then I want it to be a, a a, a team effort, a real collaborative experience in coaching staff. And so I'm, I'm excited to have people that want to come in and build a team together, want to, you know, have big voices, no matter what your position or level and, and, you know, get, get help myself, not only be surrounded by people that are really capable of, 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 of adding and, and, and building this thing, but also that can support me as I get up to their speed and, and get, you know, caught up in what it takes to be a coach. Cause I, I, I I'm, wide open to the, the reality that I don't have any coaching experience. Um, I do have lots of experiences, but no, none in that seat. So I, I got a lot of improving and growing and learning to do, but I want a staff around me that feels empowered to make, you know, comments and, and decisions and voice their opinions and to have debate. And, and that to me, not only is important for me and our team to be in our best place, but that's a great working environment. You know, that's where I want to come in every day and guys are throwing things up on the board and, and we have time to express ourselves and then we get down to what the day's tasks are. But, um, that, that to me, I think fits this opportunity. It fits, you know, where I'm at in my coaching career. And, and it also fits, I think, an environment that we want to, you know, to continue to build on what they've already started here with that connectivity and and that culture. and, And that comes down to people and behaviors. That's great. Steve Nash, the new head coach, of the Brooklyn Nets. Steve, thank you for taking the time out. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thanks, Woj. Do it again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes 
of the Woj Pod wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also be sure to catch the Low Post with Zach Lowe, his NBA Final Preview podcast included in that with Ramona Shelburne and Brian Windhorse and the Hoop Collective. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.